0: And I to talk this morning. We've been doing a series really based on the book of Galatians, not verse by verse necessarily, but over a couple of themes uh, uh, as it relates to the things that the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Galatia that I really feel uh, uh, speaks directly to us today. Uh, I've shared a lot of things about how I was raised, the church that I was raised in, but the issue in the book of Galatians, the reason that we're calling it Untangled, is because the Apostle Paul had gone to the region of Galatia. It's today, it's present day, Turkey, but but Paul went to this region of Galatia, and and he preached to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were the non-Jews. There were the Jews. It didn't matter if you were from if you're a Greek or Roman or, or or whatever nationality you might be. There was the Jews and everybody else, the Gentiles. And so the Apostle Paul's ministry was to the Gentiles, to people who were not Jewish, people who were not under the law, people who had no idea what the law of Moses was. And so the Apostle Paul came and he preached. Christ he preached the grace of God he preached the cross of Christ and the people responded they were born again and and miracles were happening and the spirit of God was moving all kinds of great things were happening and the church the elite, the hierarchy that was in Jerusalem heard about what the Apostle Paul was preaching and and the revival that was going on. And so there were some people who came from Jerusalem up to that region of Galatia, and they began to say, that's great that you're saved. It's great that you're born again. The Apostle Paul says some really, really difficult things to understand. He's really good on some things, but you got to remember that the Apostle Paul, he's missing it in some areas too, because he's saying you don't have to keep the law. But you need to understand, if you really want to be a good Christian, if you really want to be a good saved person, then you need to also keep the law. And one of the big controversies was this thing called circumcision. They were telling the men in Galatia, if you really want to be a good Christian then you need to be circumcised. And you also need to keep the law of Moses. You need to keep all of the feast days and everything as it relates to that. So that's a lot of what we've been talking about, the battle that the Apostle Paul was having with what were known as the religious Judaizers, that battle that was going on. And it is a battle that we face today. It is a a battle that we face. And and, and, in that day, it was, are we made righteous by keeping rules? Is that how we have right standing with God? That if I keep enough rules, a lot of people have the idea, it's the the weights and balances. I hope that at the end of my life, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds so that the scale tips in favor of me. But you know what? There are some people, they're really, really bad, and it looks like the scale is tipping against them. Probably not going to be that. That's what a lot of people think. And that's what the Judaizers were teaching. Yeah, you can be right with God, but you need to keep the law. And if you keep the law, then you're going to get closer to God. You're going to be more spiritual if you keep the law. The apostle Paul's teaching was based on a a person by the name of Abraham. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So with that little bit of background, if you've not been here, I encourage you to go back, listen to those messages, read, keep reading the book of Galatians with us, six chapters in the book of Galatians. If you start tomorrow and we'll read the first one, Tuesday, read the second one. By, by Saturday, you have read the entire book of Galatians. And then I encourage you to go back the week after and read it in a different translation. It is amazing to me how much light comes when we when 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 I do that for me anyway and so I want to ask this simple question this morning I want to give you a moment to think about it in fact I'm going to sit down for just a second but I want to ask this question because this is going to help you if it doesn't help you it's going to help you deal with people that you talk to that you work with that you go to school with whatever it might be here's my first question how good is good enough how good is good enough because there's a lot of people, you know, I mean, I think we sometimes think that maybe God grades on a curve that, you know, I'm really not that bad and I'm pretty good. And, and you know, do I get extra credit if I'm, you know, the, like I have family members that I love, but then there's some family members that are tough to love. Because they're a Republican or they're a Democrat or because they're this or because they're that. And ban oh man, I just, you know, and, and this one's gay and that one is an alcoholic and that one's a drug addict. And I love most of these people, but some of them are really tough to love. And, and, and if I do good things to those people that I don't like, does that, does that tip the scale in my favor a little bit more? How good is good enough? How good do I have to be? Or on the other side of that, how bad is too bad? Because people will say, Well, you know, I'm not really that bad. I mean, I could be better, but I'm not that bad. And, and, and isn't it kind of funny if we have that mentality? We can always find people who are better than we are. Can't we? Well, at least I'm not like Uncle Joe. I mean, good grief. He has no filter. Filter, Grandpa, filter. I'm not that bad. <laughs> And so you might encounter people this week, you might encounter people over the next couple of days that are living with this idea, how good do I have to be to get to heaven? Or how bad is too bad that I am excluded from heaven? And for many of you, myself included, at one point in my life, the correct answer really surprised me. I said the correct answer really surprises me. And, and, And to me, that really makes up the essence of the heart of the book of Galatians. And so I want to read from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 21. And uh, we've read this before. I want to read it again. We spent two, two Sundays talking a, a lot about this. And so in verse 21, it says, is there a conflict then between God's law? Remember that God's law was not just the Ten Commandments. There were 614 laws that were in the law of God and that the law of God encompassed three parts. There was the moral law, which we would refer to as the Ten Commandments. And then there was shadow Christology, the ideas of the sacrificial system, the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and sheep and all the other things, all the blood that was shed. And then there were the social laws, the dietary laws, and how to treat the fields and the crops and all those other things. That was all of the law. And to the Jewish mind, when God gave law, gave Moses the law, if you kept the law, then you were right with God. If you kept all 614 of those commandments, then, you, then God says, "Boy, you did good. You're right with me. Now, how many of you know it's impossible to keep all the law? So the law had an inherent problem is in that nobody could keep the law. Now, he goes on and he says, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? And again, Paul writing to the church at Galatia, he was saying that God's promise was given to Abraham. And what was Abraham's qualification? He believed God. And because he believed God, it was accounted to him, it was credited to him as righteousness or right standing. So we have two different systems of coming to God. Two different systems of dealing with how good is good enough and how bad is too bad. You either keep the law to be right with God, or you have the faith like Abraham had that makes you right with God. Which track are you going to run on? And Paul was telling the church at Galatia, I've given you this track. Abraham and faith and grace and you've been running on that one but now some other people have come and they have hypnotized you they have bewitched you and they have got you running on a different track and so I want to I talk about a couple of things this morning because one of the things that the law reveals and I'm done sitting down now because I got to walk and talk not Italian It just I don't know anyway the law revealed something The law revealed that there was something at work in humanity. We can go back to Romans once again. The apostle Paul talked about that that there was this thing that was working from from Adam to Moses. and, And it was called the law of sin and death. And that law of sin and death was in humanity. It was present. It was active. But it was when God gave the law to Moses that it revealed that there was something at work in us that caused us to not be able to do the right things. And it was that law then that came that revealed something was at work in humanity that we now know as the law of sin and death. And so, Paul wrote this, and I want to pick it up here. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Look at the person next to you and say, you're set free. Look at the person on the other side and say, you're free. Now, I would venture to guess that there's some of you that are this morning saying, well, what am I free from? Well, that's great to know that I'm free. Like we've talked about the price of lettuce, well, price of lettuce, you know, or eggs or whatever. If I don't know what the price of lettuce is and somebody tells me it's sixty nine a head, I don't know if that's good or if that's bad. And so I go, oh, because I don't want to be stupid. <laughs> and so we do the same, hey, I'm free. Oh, I don't know what that means. I'm free, free from what? So Paul says this, the scripture has, the de- we're mad. Five, five, one. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. You have been made free from a rule or a system that keeps rules and laws to be justified or made right with God. And so for the last couple of weeks, I've been, uh, I've been talking to you about that and, 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 and trying to get that over to you. And over the last two weeks, I've, I've asked a couple of people around me some questions. I've talked to some people after church on Sundays with, with, with similar questions. Now, I understand... Uh, being my advanced age that is in front of you I grew up in a different era than many of you have and I grew up in a different religious system that many of you did and in my religious system that I grew up I grew up in a wonderful church uh, great great people all of those other things but there was a lot of legalism in the church that I grew up in and I've shared with you that in my church that I grew up in we couldn't go to movies I mean, it didn't matter what kind of movie. We could watch movies on TV, which is always just weird to me. You could watch Disney movies on TV, but you couldn't go to a movie theater and watch a Disney movie. We couldn't go to restaurants that served alcohol. You surely couldn't drink. You couldn't smoke. All of the, And I'm not condoning, I'm not saying that. There are many of you that have said, you know what, I am gonna, I'm not ever going to watch an R-rated movie or whatever the other R and beyond. I'm not gonna, I, I refuse to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let that into me. That's a good thing. And so I'm not condoning those things. Don't don't misunderstand me this morning. What I'm telling you this morning is that they were telling me that if you did the in fact, there were people that would like, if you did those things, you're not even welcome inside the church. If you're caught doing those things, really you should almost be outside the church. Now that's backwards to me because it's the sick that need a physician. And so I grew up in that system. And so for me, understanding the gift of grace and the freedom that comes in Christ. Freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from that burden that I mentioned in the book of Psalms. that that, Man, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden that is too heavy to bear. I was bearing a burden that made me quit God, made me quit church, made me quit Christianity because I didn't think I was good enough. I was trying to keep enough rules so that the balance would tip in my favor. But when I began to understand the book of Galatians, which is why it is so important to me, and so I've been talking a lot about grace and and the freedom that comes because of grace but today's a different day and there are a lot of people today have the idea it doesn't matter what you do in fact who are you to judge me right I mean you just do you you got to live your own truth as long as it's not hurting anybody it's okay all of these things who are you to say what love is and what love isn't all of those things that are out there today that would lead us to think, well, it doesn't matter what I do, I can do anything I want to do. I hope you understand that that isn't true. I think you're all waiting for the punchline just a little bit here. I know, Pastor Ryan, you're getting to a point, and I'm afraid to say anything right now because I, I want to be on the right side of the point that you're trying to make. <laughs> I've been asked this question what about sin? What about, Pastor Brian, are you saying that we just do whatever we want to do because we're saved now? Is that what you're saying, that it doesn't really matter? What about Christians? What about people who confess Jesus as the Lord of their life, but there is no change in their life? Are they really saved? I got some answers for you. What about sin? What about people who, there's no change in their, Jesus did not die on Calvary's cross so you could stay the same and keep doing what you're doing. There is a standard of right and wrong and there is a life that we are to live. So what about that person that confesses Jesus as Lord? But there's no change in their life. I believe, I I, I can't prove this. You probably can't disprove this. But I believe there are people who bow their heads, close their eyes, pray a prayer. And there's no change on the inside because there's there's no faith with it. They've just mouthed a prayer. They've just repeated a prayer. It's important that we mix faith with what we say. Mix faith. If we believe in our hearts, that's faith. If we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we will be saved. It is that simple. Believing and confessing. But there are some people who have confessed without believing, and I don't know if they're born again or not, if their spirit has been made new or not. I don't know. I do know that there are people who have confessed Jesus as the Lord of their life and they have believed in their heart and they are now made right with God. But Peter talks about this. Paul talks about this. He said that we have to grow, that we are like little, little babies, babes in Christ. You could walk back to nursery one or nursery two back there and you could go in there and you could say, what is wrong with you? You should be walking by now and you're not walking. And we got to change your diapers. And you poop in them and you pee in them, you should be past that. Now, we, people look at us and say, you're crazy. And yet we sometimes do that to believers. Babes in Christ, and we expect them to walk like, we, like we've been walking. How many of you know it takes a few weeks to get perfect? And it takes us a while. And so Peter says, desire the sincere milk of the word so you can grow. If you do not get the word of God, then you will not grow. You will be weak and you will be emaciated and the muscles of faith will not be developed. So there are many, many, many people who do not grow in their faith once they have expressed faith. And because they don't grow in their faith, they're now walking in the flesh and not in the strength or the life or the spirit of Christ that's on the inside of them. We, we, we talked, and there are some people. You know what? What about sin? What about no change in their life? There are some people who have gotten to a certain point, and they're satisfied. Yeah, I, I, I'm at this point, but I'm not going to pay the price anymore. It's a little bit what we were talking about when we were talking about the kingdom is here, where Jesus said, "Seek first the kingdom." There are many, many people who have received Jesus as Lord. It is a gift that we receive, and it takes no work on our part other than expressing faith. It takes nothing on our part to receive Jesus by faith. But the work comes in when we begin to seek the kingdom, when we begin to put the kingdom of God first. That takes effort, and that takes work. And if you have never, ever struggled as a Christian as a person who has professed faith in Christ. If you have never struggled with what you want and with what God wants, then I would question your growth. Said it a thousand times. Christianity is simple. It's not easy. And there are things that we are to live according to, that there should be change in our life, that my priorities reflect the priorities of God, that my, ref, my, my priorities in life and the importance of my life reflects what's important to God. And so Christ has set us free, but how free are we? He has set us free, but how free are we? Can we just do what we want to do? Well, let me answer, let me use Paul's word to answer this. In, in, in uh, Romans chapter six, well then, Since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. (laughs) Of course not. No, you cannot go on sinning. But here's been the problem of the church. We, the church, the Christians, we get to decide the rules. We get to decide what's Really sin and what isn't. I mentioned in my church that I grew up in, movies, alcohol, smoking, all of those things, those were things that, that somebody decided those are the big sins. But you know what? That same church had people that gossiped about each other. They 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 were the Bible uses the term backbiters, stabbing them in the back. They they they, they were speaking evil of one another, spreading rumors about one another. But they got to decide. Those outward things that are easy to define, the really bad people do those things. But did you hear what so-and-so did? I'll tell you what, man, there's, there's, you know, it's called hypocrisy. And so we, the church, we get to decide what the really bad sins are. And we exclude people because of that. It's not about what we do on the outside, but who resides on the inside. And the apostle Paul, he was a master at this. This was the revelation that Paul had. And so he asked this question, because of the grace of God, should we continue to sin? And he says, absolutely not. Listen to what he said. Maybe you've experienced this in Romans chapter 7 and verse 21. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what's right, how many of you want to do what's right? Not enough of you. Why are you even here if you don't want to do what's right? (laughs) When I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Don't raise your hand. How many of you ever, I know what the right thing is. I want to do the right thing, but that idiot just, pardon my French. I love God's law with all my heart. I want to believe the best of, of each and every one of us. We love God and we want to do the right thing. But there's another power within me that, that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. He's talking about the nature of the flesh. Oh, what a miserable person I am. That was me as a teenager. I was miserable because I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. But I realized there was this power that was in me that was holding me a captive. It was keeping me a slave to this power that was in my flesh. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer is not in other things. The answer is not adding more things to your to-do list, trying to be trying to, uh, harder and all these other things. The answer is in Jesus Christ. Jesus provided an answer for the dilemma of humanity. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of the sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And Paul begins to define two natures, two things that are at work in all of Christians today. It is the nature of the flesh that has these desires that want to go the wrong way and there's the nature of God that happened because you made Jesus the Lord of your life and now you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says this in Romans 6.6, 6, we know that our old sinful selves, that's the nature of the flesh, was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Right now, you're no longer a slave to sin for when we died with Christ. That's what water baptism represents. I died with Christ, but I'm made alive with him. What frees us from sin? Death frees us from sin. And so he says, we've died with Christ. And when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power Of sin. And then, verse 11, Paul said this So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Consider yourself dead when temptation arises, when your flesh wants to go a certain way, consider yourself as dead. Nope, you can't tempt me because I've died to that. So, back to Galatians. Why should I do what's good? Why should I go through the pain? Why should I go through the effort? Why should I discipline my flesh? Why should I do those things? I mean, sin's kind of fun. And besides, I mean, selfishness, now we like selfishness because it's all about me. Don't want to hear about it, but we want to live in it. How many times are we selfish? How many times are we putting ourselves first rather than God or his kingdom? We put ourselves first in our time. We put ourselves first in our money. We put ourselves first in, 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 in how we're going to respond. We are selfish, self-ruled, self-interest. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Yeehaw! I thought this was Joy Christian Center. <laughs> Verse 13 of Galatians 5 says, you've been called to live in, in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Well, what kind of freedom? What about this freedom? Can I just do what I want to do? No, Paul says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. All 614 laws can be summed up in one, love your neighbor as yourself, love is always the premium. Love is always the, 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 the perfect law that we follow. Love one another. And so Paul begins in this fifth chapter, begins to make a distinction between the flesh and the spirit. In Galatians five sixteen, he says, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. You know, as I was asked those questions, well, well what about sin? What about this? What about that? And, and, and people have wanted to identify certain kinds of sins. And yet Paul says, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. I'm not the Holy Spirit. And neither are you. But how many of you know, we, we kind of want to meddle sometimes in people's lives. Well, there's are just, just uh, terrible people. But yet we allow and we excuse the sins of our own life. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then, notice what he says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. That there are works of flesh that we, need to, that we need to be aware of, that we need to understand that are a part of our life that should not be a part of our life. And there's the fruit of the spirit that's on the inside of us. And if we feed our spirit, if we feed that spiritual part of our life, then the fruit of love and the fruit of joy and the fruit of peace and patience, all of those things will grow in our life. It always comes from the inside to the outside, That's what Paul was trying to get over to the church at Galatia and to you and to me. It comes from the inside to the outside. But the law and rule keeping tries to legislate it from the outside in, and it can't happen. So again, I want to take the last couple of minutes that I have. Why should I do good? Why should I live my life in a way that is right? Why should I do that? What benefit... I'm born again. You know, there are people, I I believe with all my heart, people that that confess Jesus as the Lord of their life. They made him their Savior. They're right with God. But they've never grown. Never grown. And they're going to die and they're going to be in heaven. The thief on the cross is a perfect example. Had no time to do anything good, and yet he got the same reward that Jesus did. That's, that, that messes with our Christianity. It messes with our thought life, but we got to deal with it. So, so why should I do good? I said, Pastor John was giving me a hard time a couple of weeks ago when I said about the law. You can keep 613 of the laws and break just one, and now you're guilty of all of the law. It's like you broke every single one of them. So I said, you might as well go big. I mean, if you're going to, I'm not that bad. You might as well be a way, way bad because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's just a little sin or a big sin. It's all the same to God. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go big and go, or, or go home. I'm not encouraging you to do that. I'm, 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 I'm using the absurd to, to illustrate something that's kind of absurd. So, why should I do good? I, I, there's a principle that's in the book of Genesis that every seed reproduces after its own kind. The law of Genesis, everything reproduces after its own kind. Birds give birth to birds, cows to cows, dogs to dogs, cats to cats. Wheat seeds beget wheat seeds, corn, kernels of corn beget kernels of or, or corn. Everything reproduces after its own kind. In Genesis chapter 8, God said, as long as the earth is here, there will be seasons and there will be seed time and there will be harvest. As long as you and I are here, there is a principle of sowing and reaping. And you need to know how much God loves you. That is in the earth right now. Now, the world calls it karma. What you send out there is going to come back to you. If there's a principle that seems to work, it is always because it's based on God's word. There are people, I just read about this a couple of weeks ago, people manifesting things. Have you ever heard this? I mean, it was on TikTok and a couple of different things. Carl saw some reels on this whole thing. We're out manifesting good things. And they were speaking, self-talk, and and, and giving reports. Man, I was talking and I was doing this, and good things started to happen to me. Do you realize that's a spiritual principle? Jesus said in, in, in Mark chapter 11, that the things that we believe in our heart and we say with our mouth, they will come to pass. You want to know why every light is red? Because you believe every light's gonna be red. Always happens to me when I'm in a hurry. Every light is red. You just had what you said. No. <laughs> uh, sometimes just the traffic is against you, that's all. Because <laughs> there's somebody on the green light that's been praying in faith, believing God. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know. But here is a principle for you your harvest in life is dependent upon the seeds that you sow. And so in Galatians chapter 6, Paul said in Galatians chapter six and verse seven, Paul said, "Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant." Now he's gone through. Are you going to keep the law? Or are you going to are you going to believe God and, and and receive the grace that God has? Are you going to try to do these good works? And then he talks about the, the the flesh, the works of the flesh, the fruit of the spirit. He talks about which one are you going to give yourself to. And so he says again, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only <clears throat> only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit, that's what's dwelling on the inside, the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Why should I do good? Why should I take the time to, to, to try to discipline my flesh? Allow the Spirit of God on the inside of me. Feed my spirit. Nurture my spirit. Why should I do that? Because there is a principle that is at work in this earth. And if you violate a spiritual law, it will work for, spiritual laws will either work for you or they will work against you. It is like the law of gravity. Gravity works for you. Nobody has to worry. If we jump up in the air, we don't have to worry that we're going to keep on going because gravity is going to bring us back down but we can supersede the law of gravity because of another law uh, of, of the dynamic of thrust and lift allows a plane to fly laws will work for you or they will work against you why should i do good Because I'm planting seeds in my harvest of life. Harvest in this life is determined by the seeds that I sow. And you have an adversary. You have an enemy. And he wants to use those spiritual laws against you. He wants to get you speaking failure, speaking sickness, speaking disease, speaking poverty. He wants you to get you to do those things because there's power in the words that you speak. The proverb says that that life and death is in the power of your tongue. And so, you need to be careful what you allow on the inside of you. You need to be careful what you're feeding on because, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. And the things that you stay with your mouth, believing in your heart, those things will come to pass. It is a spiritual law that will work for you or it will work against you. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. Do not judge others. You will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured back into your lap. The amount that you give, now it's not just financial, The amount of judgment that you give is what's going to come back. The amount of forgiveness that you give is what's going to come back. The amount of joy that you give is what is going to come back. It is a spiritual principle. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 3. Do not repay evil for evil. You spit on me, I'll spit on you. You curse me, I'll curse you. You cut me off, I'll cut you off. Do not repay evil for evil. Do not retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Ain't no way I'm going to do that, Pastor Brian. They had it coming to them. They deserved it. Your struggle in Christianity will be when what you want for you is different than what God wants for you. And God says, don't do it don't pay them back with evil. Why should I? Why Why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I tell everybody what they did to me? Here's why. <laughs> for the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life, how many of you want to enjoy life? If you want to see good days, how many of you want to see good days? How many of you are tired of seeing the evil days, the bad days, the corrupt days, the tired days? If that's you, this is for you. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Why should I do what's good? Because I want to see good things, or why should I do the good things that I know that I should do? Because I want to see good in my life. I want to see blessing in my life. I want to see happy days. Verse 11. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace. Peace. I mean, it's easy to find chaos. It's easy to find disappointment. It's easy to find distrust. You've got to search for the good things. You've got to search for the peace. You've got to search for the joy. You have to search for those things. But it's all the answer that's in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Why should I do good? Why should I take the time to discipline my life? Because God wants us to inherit good things. He loves you so much that he wants blessing to come into your life. But the only way is if we work according to his laws, the law of seed time and harvest. Why else is it important I'll finish with this scripture in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. That's you. Look at the person next you and say, you're the light of the world. That's you and me. We're the light of the The world's in darkness right now. Most Christians, oh, it's dark, it's dark, it's really dark. It's bad out there. Well, you and I are supposed to be light. We shine in the darkness. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house, verse 16, in the same way. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Why should I do good? Because when I do good, goodness comes back to me. that's the heart of God. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. Why should I do good? Because if I don't do good, then the world will remain in darkness. The world will have no idea that there is a law that is against them, the law of sowing and reaping. And they will continue to do what they do, and they will continue to live in darkness. But when they look at our lives and they say, why is it that you can still be happy? Why is it that it seems like you're blessed? Why is it does it seem like you are not upset or that you're not afraid? What is this, this thing in you that makes you seem secure? And you can say, you know what? The answer is in Jesus. I know my Savior. I know my God. And he said, if I put his kingdom first and if I seek him, guess what he's going to do? Everything else that I need. All the things that you're running after, they're coming to me because I'm putting him first. In every area of my life. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Because there are knuckleheads out in this world And they deserve for you to give them a piece of their mind, of your mind. They deserve that. But you know what they really need? Grace. Love. Mercy. That's what they need. And when I give that, when you give that, guess what's going to come back? Love. Grace. Mercy. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over in my life. It's a pretty good deal. It's not an easy deal, but it's a good deal. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Father, may it follow us all the days of our life. May we look around and we see before us, every, every mountain has been made low and every valley has been exalted. Every crooked place has been made straight. When we look behind us, behind us is goodness and mercy following us. Father, we are encompassed about by you. And so we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be worried because we know that you're for us and you're not against us. I thank you that you have supplied every need that we have. You've supplied it abundantly. Father, I pray that this place be a place of light and life, that these people be a place, a people of light that let their light shine so that people can see the good things that they do and connect the dots back to you because you're the one that's empowering us. And if you're here today and maybe you've struggled with the question, well, how good do I have to be or how bad is too bad? Let me give you a very quick and simple answer. There is nobody that is good enough all have sinned and come short of the glory of God because God's standard is 100% perfection. The law was given so that we could understand and know that it is impossible for us to keep the law, that death would reign in us. But Jesus came so we might have life and have it abundantly. So if you're here today and you've never expressed faith in Christ, never been born again, And you would like to be born again today, would you hold your hand up real high? I want to pray a simple and a quick prayer with each and every one of you. Anyone at all? The grace of God is simple, the grace of God is easy. Anyone, just hold your hand up real high. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else this morning? Would you all pray this with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I believe today I need a Savior. And Jesus, I believe you died for me. Your blood was shed for me. You're alive today. I believe that. So I confess today, Jesus, you're my Savior. Be my Lord. I thank you in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for this congregation of men and women. I thank you for your life that is in them. Father, as they leave this place today, let them be life. Let them be light. Let them be love in central Minnesota. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week. And we hope to see you next Sunday, 4th of July weekend. I cannot even believe it. God bless you. Amen.